Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. You with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Happy New Year, everybody. The fantasy season has come to an end. And I'm hoping that you're holding up that fantasy football championship trophy as you listen to this. If you already have your trophy... Just hold it. Just hold it in your arms while you listen to this because it's going to feel sweet. Um, a lot of guys came through for us. A lot of guys didn't. But I'm hoping that you were able to overcome some of that and become a fantasy football champion. All that work that you've done throughout the past few months all culminating to this moment here. All right. So hoping if you're listening, you're listening because, you know, you want to you, you bask in your glory a little bit more. Uh, and if you ended up losing, well, I guess you just like pain. But we will talk about uh, a few of the guys that didn't come through as well. Guys that did come through, we'll have a little bit of fantasy MVP talk, um, and, and you know, and all that. And you know, a couple of things to look forward to in 2024. A couple of guys that might be falling off. You know, who should we expect to potentially bounce back? We have a lot to talk about in this episode. Okay, uh, so if you had CD Lamb, if you had Devontae Adams, Lamar Jackson with a legacy game against Miami. I mean. He's had a lot of legacy games, so maybe we don't call yeah. it a legacy game. But you know, he came through at a time that was just like in the fantasy championship. I, you know, Zach. I mean, I looked back for Lamar Jackson, and you know, he wasn't available last year during the fantasy playoffs. He wasn't available two years ago in the fantasy playoffs. Mm-hmm. The last time that he was available was in 2020, uh, and he actually averaged more fantasy points during that span than he did, you know, in this span. So he he had a big, big, big monster playoff for playoff run for you a couple of years ago as well. So this is not the first time that he's done it. Okay. Um so yeah, I mean there's just so many more so many timing performance like performances are just timed perfectly right. Right. Isaiah yeah. Pacheco, right? It, you know, in week 17 coming off uh that concussion, you know, we, we weren't sure whether he was going to play. He ended up coming through um, you know, DJ Moore. Right, I did not expect this tough performance, uh, tough matchup, snow. I should say. Yeah, dude, in the <laughs> snow against Atlanta, tough yeah. matchup. 
Um, he was making nice catches. That over the head catch on the sideline, dude. Like when he had to like put his head all the way up to catch that in the snow while there's snowflakes falling into your eyeball. Like that was legit, dude. Um, yeah, that was awesome. You know, Kyron Williams, too. perfectly. Justin Fields, man, making making. Listen, man, he yeah. is he is like proving the doubters wrong right now, right? Like where mm-hmm. where he could be. You know, they're like everyone's saying, like, what are the Bears going to do? this offseason, right? And a lot of teams, you kind of look at what Justin Fields is doing right now. If the Bears choose to move on from him, which would be a crazy decision, well, we'll touch on that. And I and I don't think it's as crazy of a decision as some people might think. It, right. it more so has to do with, you know, the contract situation. And, and, and more so around, like, what can the team do with a rookie quarterback contract? Anyway, yeah. Um, We'll get to that. But he, he's he's <laughs> literally, in terms of his play, there are a lot of teams in the NFL that wish they had Justin Fields right now. Yeah, 100%. And should we just hit on this now? Because like, yeah, we're, we're kind of into it. But Justin Fields, look at the way he's been playing. This is the thing for me. And I was kind of on this earlier in the season, even before these past couple of games. I was like, Justin Fields... I don't know if he's gotten a real fair shake in Chicago. He's had some tough coordinator situations. Obviously, you know, he hasn't had the best weapons, but as soon as you go get DJ Moore, I mean, the Bears, they're, they're seven and nine right now. Obviously, that's not good enough. You know, if you talk about holding a quarterback to a standard, you need to make the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs this year, but they're seven and nine. They're four. They're, they've won four of their last five games. Justin Fields is QB nine in fantasy points per game. Seven total touchdowns, just three picks. You know, the interceptions, you know, ball security was kind of a problem. He has the rushing upside. Did you see the Bears fans? They had a We Want Fields chant going at the stadium this yeah. weekend. Like, that was, I don't know, that just made me happy. I don't know. Because I feel, I feel, I felt bad for Justin Fields these past couple of years where he's just been kind of getting dumpstered, even though he's been doing like pretty much everything he can, you know, for the team. He's given them everything. And um, it was nice to see that. I've said this a few times before, like I mentioned, we've been blabbing away about fantasy football, obviously this whole season, but I think Fields, I think he's shown enough to give him another chance next year. You know, it's probably going to be a huge draft for Chicago. I think that you could really, really set yourself up for the future, set yourself up to have a really good shot down the line, you know, kind of have a chance to come back. If, if it does end up being a mistake, keeping Justin Fields, if you would trade back from the number one pick again, like <laughs> how much draft capital are you looking at? You know what I'm saying? Like the, the amount of value they could set themselves up for would be huge. You know, the eye test for me, we just talked about it on Sunday was really, really good. The raindrop pass to DJ Moore, you know, someone he's clearly developed a strong rapport with. I don't think they would be in the wrong to just stick with Justin Fields for another season. I think that would be ideal for fantasy football too, you know, because the bears, they're getting pieces. And suddenly if they add another one or two pieces on offense, this could be a completely different team next season. You know, Justin Fields, I know he was the most bet on player to be the MVP this season. I was way, way earlier in the season, like over the offseason. I remember that he was like the MVP favorite in terms of the most money on which player, whatever it was. I think that he's deser- he deserves another shot in Chicago. I-, I think that's going to happen. I think that's where they're going to go because what we're seeing these past couple of weeks, I-, I don't think they've become that disenchanted with him to the point where they're just ready to move on regardless of what he's done because he looked pretty good. Yeah, and, and I think... At this point, I don't think there's any question about what he can accomplish and what his potential is, what his ceiling is, and what he could do on the field. I think the more right. I think more so this becomes a general manager type of question in terms of do you would you rather have another rookie come in and like Caleb Williams, you know, some some 
you know, highly touted rookie quarterback coming in and giving building a team with a rookie contract on the books, opposed to picking up Justin Fields fifth year option or giving him a longer term deal where you're gonna have to pay him forty million plus a year, right? Like you're gonna have to do that yeah. if you're gonna extend him. Right. So that's gonna take up a huge cap number. And if you're gonna do that and rebuild around him, are the Bills I'm sorry, are the Bears one year, two years away? I, I'm not sure that they are, right? And I think, you know, if if the Bears believe that this is a, a little bit of a longer term thing, like, you know, I, I think we can get there in two years, it, you know, it might make more sense to move on from Justin Fields, bring in a rookie, and by the time you hit that second, third year, you're still on that rookie contract, and you, right. you can build a much better team around that rookie quarterback. But there's a risk, right? There's a risk. You know what Justin Fields can do in the NFL. Right. And, you know, we don't know what Caleb Williams can do in the NFL. So there are, you know, this is the, that's why it's, it's a tough decision. It's tough to be a, a GM and to be put in that position when you have a, a quarterback like Justin Fields and you have the number one pick overall. It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, right. But at the, at the end of the day, like in terms of his talent, in terms of him deserving another shot, I don't, at this point, he's put that to rest, in my opinion. Yeah. If it's not with Chicago, it's going to be somewhere else. And for sure. So imagine that with a dream scenario for you, and this is just me, dream scenario for me, I'm looking at this Falcons lose, Arthur Smith gets canned, Justin Fields to Atlanta would be pretty freaking crazy if you ask me. I mean, Michael Vick, <laughs> Michael Vick 2.0? Yeah, something like that. Not even that. Like Justin Fields, like the number of weapons down there, you just need someone that's going to take advantage of those weapons because Justin Fields can go down there. I think the weapons are they're better in Atlanta and you get as. That the wild card, the X factor here is Arthur Smith needs to be gone. If Arthur Smith Bijan, stays, yeah, Bijan and Justin Fields, you know, running the ball, dude. Like, come and on, backfield. Dude. And then you add Drake London. And then you add Tyler Tyler Algier too to that, and you Drake London and Cal Pitts, and it's a it's a good offense, man. It's a good offense. And the offensive be, line is still good there too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would they love have to, bring in. You know, I'll be interested to see who, you know what kind of offensive coordinator that they bring in. But we're all. Saints fans this week, by the way, guys. Okay. The Falcons are playing the Saints this week. <laughs> yeah. We need the Saints to win. The Falcons don't have a, a, a huge shot at making the playoffs, right? M the most chances are that the Falcons end up missing the playoffs. But I just think that the Saints need to win this game. And they need to embarrass the Falcons. Like, I'm looking for Derek Carr to have a legacy game here. That's what we yeah. need. Okay. We need a and, Brandon uh, Staley uh, against the Raiders type embarrassment. For Arthur's we need uh, Chris. Ol we need Chris Olave to step back up because he was a huge disappointment in in Week huge. 17 for a lot of yeah. people. Um, yeah. he, the matchup was really good on paper, and he ended up just crapping all over your fantasy team. Hopefully, you were able to overcome that. Taking, we know that in, in our well. league, in our league, the guy who ended up Hummy, who ended up you know going all the way to the championship, he was in my place at New Year on New Year's Eve. Okay, he was up by 80 points. Guess who he's guess who he was going up against? Jordan Love. Jaden Reed. Not good. Okay. That's tough. He ended up losing. He ended up losing. He was down. Wait, wait, he was wait, up wait. 80 points. He was up 80 points. Eight? Nah. Two players? Yeah, Jayden, I, I don't no no no. No. Aaron Jones. Jaden Reed. Jordan Love. Justin Jefferson. He was playing against all of them. Yep, Holy he was crap. playing against all of them in, in, in our league. 
an hour late, the one that that we're in together. I didn't. He was down there that much, and he ended like, up. He, he ended up losing by five or six points or whatever it was. That is so, insane. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. I know. I know. And then Jaden Reed um, went out with it, the injury it, it, at halftime. Listen, it's like, I, I had <laughs> a new I had a New Year's party at my place. He was at my place, and you know, not good timing, right? Because it's like you know, you're hoping to win. He he ended up losing. You know, around like whatever time it was. You know, hasn't yeah. been, hasn't struck midnight yet. You know, we're having a good time. But you know, like the amount amount of fun that you can have when you, on the same night that you lose your fantasy championship, that the ceiling drops a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, no. So <laughs> if you pop the champagne with a with a victory, you know, in your fantasy championship, that's oh much better. Then you now you me? pop the champagne, you just pop the cork, and it's just like yeah, well, it's more the drinks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You're exactly. not interested in it at all. Oh my god, no, I couldn't imagine, dude. That, that it sounds was bad, terrible, it was especially bad. going but, in with an George, eighty point lead. Like man, dude. It was so bad, man. Jordan Love and Jaden Reed, you know, they connected a couple times. They had a couple of huge performances. Um, and like I said, you really, you either had a really good New Year's Eve or a really bad one, depending on what side of that you were on. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, Brees Hall, James Conner. James Conner might be the most underrated league winning running back of them all. Okay. Yeah. He, he, he got oh it done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> only Christian McCaffrey averaged more fantasy points than him since week 13. And uh, and then you look what he had to go through. Look at the schedule. He had two big games in the fantasy playoffs against the 49ers and the Eagles. Okay. So he got it done. Yeah. Um, against the 49ers and Eagles. The Eagles were a tough run defense. And granted, their yeah. defense has been playing worse, you know, these past few weeks since the bye. But there was a tough run defense. He went 26 for 128 in a touchdown against him. Like that, that's Beast. you don't have any other running back doing that. And the the, the Cardinals had nothing to play for, which makes it even more hilarious. Because it's like, what is James Conner doing with 26 fantasy points against the Eagles? And it's pretty much all on the ground. You know, he had that one receiving touchdown. It was a one-hander, right? I don't know. It, yeah. it, looked, it was a really nice catch. I mean, he was just he was just giving him the business. <laughs> it completely, up, no one was expecting that. I definitely wasn't expecting that. I was looking at it like, okay, maybe we'll see like a 60-yard performance. He scores a touchdown. It'll be a mid-RB too. No, he was, he was, he was the RB4 on the week. <laughs> I, I just want to take this moment to let you guys know who had a really good New Year's Eve. And that was our very own Zach Rizzuto. Zach, Zach, Zach. Oh, very yeah, nice. Two fantasy titles to your name yep. this year. Uh, you were pretty excited on January 1st. You know, Heck you yeah. woke up yep. as a two-time. You, you won two of your leagues this year. Um, yes. So which four. players, like if you had to, if you had to tell me like the players that came through for you that, you know, are most, most I guess most memorable you know, maybe this year, but also like just like to help you win it. Who are those guys? Yeah. Okay. So, as the resident Cowboys fan, I think you can guess who I had on both of my teams. That would be CD Lamb. And never been a better time to pick CD Lamb. I took CD Lamb last year thinking this was the breakout year. You know what I'm saying? And, and he came through. It was good, but it wasn't what we're seeing this year in our one league together. You know, not the home league, the upper hand league. You know, my whole team took off for New Year's besides C.D. Lamb. <laughs> and Lamar did his thing, too. We mentioned Lamar earlier. He had 36 points. That was really nice, the legacy game. So that was just under 80 points combined right there between the two of them. But the X factor in my lineup in that championship game was Jerome Ford. And I don't know if anybody else had Jerome Ford in their lineup, but he had 26 PPR points. <laughs> you know, that didn't seem significant until late on New Year's Eve. You know, my margin of victory in that league was three points. So... All I have to say is thank you, Joe Flacco. Your Lynn Sanity run won me my fantasy football league. It was just like awesome. And then my other league, you know, I had the Dak Prescott to CD Lamb stack. So you can imagine that worked out pretty well for me. And I also, by 
purely by virtue of, of you, Faraz. I had Puka Nakua and Tank Dell in that league too. <laughs> and it's Dynasty. So they were both on my taxi squad. They both got called up pretty much immediately, you know, to start the season. I lost Tank Dell, unfortunately. You know, obviously he went on the IR. But Puka Nakua was there for me. And he actually saved me in that league with that 80-yard catch and run. I wanted that to be a touchdown so bad. Because again, in that league too, the rest of my fantasy team just took off for New Year's Eve. Like Zeke was my next highest score behind Dak. CD and Puka, it was Zeke. And he had that one garbage touchdown at the end. He had like 11 points. Like it was very stressful New Year's Eve, but they both worked out. And I was also playing against Travis Kelsey in the other league. And um, he shut the bed, needless to say. And mm -hmm. we'll talk about him, you know, later on because suddenly Travis Kelsey, there's not, there's no positional advantage anymore. Now he's just one of the guys. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's one of those guys that's in that, there's no, there's no separation anymore. Yeah, man, I think it's safe to say that we're seeing the downfall of Travis Kelsey right now. He couldn't crack 10 fantasy points in the fantasy playoffs. This was going to happen at some point. It was just a matter of time. Yeah. You know, he's a right. legend at the position. He's a fantasy football legend, but all good things must come to an end. He's going to be 35 years old in October next year. Okay, it's so old. <laughs> it's old. It really does. That's, but it, he's younger than me, though. But, uh, you know, and, and you know, I, <laughs> that is funny. All, like, you ever talk about fantasy football players or just football players in general? And they say, like, this old. guy's 33, 34 years old. You're like, what yeah. an old piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> like, uh, and we're going to get to Austin Eckler. In a, in the, we're going to get to Austin yeah. Eckler a little bit. He's not even 30 yet. And we're going to call him old in a second. But that's crazy. Um, yeah. Kelsey has played in every game this year, except in week one. And on a points per game basis, he actually was the tight end one alongside TJ Hawkinson, but he was a tight end eight since his week 10 bye. And the thing that made him special for fantasy over the last several years was the positional advantage he brought. And that's what we didn't have this year, right? You know, which made yep. him a first round bust. He had a, he had, he had a full six point cushion ahead of the next best tight end in fantasy points per game last year. He scored almost 100 more fantasy points than the next best tight end, TJ Hawkinson, last year. But but this throne is likely to be taken from him in 2024, right? Uh, we right. will not have a first-round tight end. We likely won't have a second-round tight end. But I think some tight ends you know, will start coming off the board, potentially in the third and fourth rounds. TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Sam Laporta. Um, I think Trey McBride you know, might end up being like that mid-round tight end that I aim for. I'm guessing he's going to be around those mid rounds um yeah. if i had to guess like if, and you know he might be the guy that i'm guessing would be like the best value of, of the bunch right um right. but yeah man thank you travis kelsey for all the dominant years but it looks like that torch is going to be passed this year who who is the torch going to be passed to like no I, I don't think there's any one player that's going to be passed to like you talk about okay if travis kelsey was on the throne who's going to take it i think it's going to be like a communal throne like, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any, you know, head and shoulders far and away tight end one over the rest. I think it's not just going to go back to being, you know, just pretty much crapshoot. And maybe not so much a crapshoot now that they're all going to going to be in that range where it's like, okay, if you're averaging 16 points per game as a tight end, you're top two or three. You know, there's going to be a bunch of tight ends in that range. But I don't think we're going to have another Travis Kelsey here unless Sam Laporta really, you know, blows up next season. But you, you have Amon Ross St. Brown in that offense, Jameer Gibbs in that offense still. I don't think that's going to lend itself to him being you know the overall clear tight end one and it's funny i'm as i'm saying that he did end up being the tight end one in total points per game 
not points per game, total yeah. points scored, right? He was the overall tight end one. Yeah. Oh, and, so, and points per game as well. Points per game, he was, was he? the tight end one. He was tied with TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Okay. So co-tight end yeah. one. Okay. So there you yeah. go. So that, that, there you go. That demonstrates my point. He's not going to be far and away. There's, he's just going to be in that group. You know, I think those top guys, like you mentioned, are going to be the guys next up on the fall off list. Like, could it be Mark Andrews? I don't think TJ Hawkinson, he's definitely not going to be coming off the board in the third or fourth round. I don't think because of that injury. That's one thing to keep in mind. Like, that's we true. forget That's very true. he has that ACL MCL. He, he could be out for the first six, seven weeks. And especially if yep. they have like a middle of the season buy, they have a buy in like week nine next year. They might just say, shut him down until then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's going to thin things out even more at the top. I think you're definitely not going to have anyone in the first or second round at tight end yeah. at this point. And where's Travis Kelsey going to go? Like, it's going to be weird not having him be being picked inside the top 15, yeah. right? That's going to be really weird. It is. It's going to be, it's going to be later. For sure. It might be yeah. the fourth round. I can see that. Um, he's going to be 35, man. And then Mark Andrews, you mentioned him. He's he's 28 right now. He's turning 29 mm-hmm. in September. Um, I, I think that age left. is perfectly fine for a tight end. Like, he has years left, right? Yeah. Like, we, we usually don't see t- drop off from elite tight ends until 33, 34, you know, that age. And when you're elite, it might be a little bit longer, like we saw with Travis Kelsey. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Rob so yeah, yeah. We, we, we still have a, a few more years with him. But yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I think the best bets for like the next guys are like Sam. Sam Laporte is probably, you know, the, the best bet, I would say, at the most upside. Right. I think Mark Andrews mm-hmm. is there. Uh, you mentioned, you know, we mentioned TJ Hawkinson, but, you know, you're absolutely right about the ACL. Um, you know, I think like and then Trey McBride's going to be kind of hanging around that fifth, sixth round potentially. Like and that, that would be great. That, intri- that intrigues me um, a ton, to be honest. So the um, new agenda yeah. that we need to set for the podcast over the offseason is just screw over Trey McBride's draft capital and draft, you know, ADP, just lower it by 100%. talking bad on him all offseason. That's the new agenda. <laughs> That's the new plan. I love that. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a bad offense, but most likely, and, you know, or like the, the, the narrative is going to be that it's a bad offense and that didn't really matter for him this year, to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so back to week 17, Raheem Mostert, you know, he was, you know, that he was a last minute inactive, right? Definitely sent a lot of people into panic mode. If you listen to this podcast, you knew that it was a possibility. But if you had Devon Achan, he was a must start and he delivered. He went for almost 140 total yards and a touchdown. I'm very interested to see what this Dolphins depth chart is going to look like next year, right? It's very possible we don't see Raheem Mostert there. It's very possible we don't see Jeff Wilson there. Achan very well could be and most likely will be their RB1 on the depth chart. I can't imagine that he doesn't have a compliment to run alongside him, right? Um, I, yeah. I don't think they're going to go into the season with him as like like the guy who they're planning on giving 300 touches to. So I think it'll be some sort of committee. But I think even with him as a 1A to a 1B, more of a Thunder guy who they bring in, I, I think Achan, you know, very, very well could be in the RB1 conversation next year. I mean, he was an RB1 this year on a points-per-game basis. So uh, it, yeah. could, it could definitely happen. I, I just... I just want them to – I actually want them to have a compliment to him, to be honest with you, because I want him to hold up for the entirety of the you know 2024 season. Exactly. And, like, at this point in his career, you know, he's very new. He's young, you know, and he's already kind of sketchy with his injury history. You know, this season he's missed a couple games for different things. There's no way that they don't get some kind of compliment, I don't think, for him in the backfield. And you mentioned Thunder to his lightning is exactly what you're looking for. They go get an early down running back. That's all you need. Like, you don't need to go get somebody to do everything because 
Devon Achan, he can already do that. <laughs> Just get somebody that's going to handle, do the tough running between the tackles, let Achan take it on the outside, that kind of thing. That's what I'm looking for. I think you're looking for that too. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love him as a talent. I'd be ecstatic if he got 18 or 20 touches a game next year, but he doesn't need that. You know, and that's only going to end up wearing him down faster, like you mentioned. It doesn't seem like they're going to do that, given the way that Mike McDaniel has been running the offense since he's been there. But most are being out. You know, obviously this week hurt a lot of fantasy managers in their championship championship round. That just sucked, especially if you didn't have Devon Achan. But if you had a guy like Khalil Herbert or Justice Hill, you know, they both had 20 PPR points on the day, just out of nowhere pretty much. You know, you might have been able to get, get away with him being out. You know, it was a really odd week. Just lots of unf- unfamiliar names among the top scorers, like Bo Melton. He had 20 points. You know, like, <laughs> Yo, who is Bill Melton? Like, you see him running around the dude, field. It's like, there's always can a new I tell you something? receiver. Yeah. These Packers, like, the Packers are all about the senior ball, dude. Like, they're all about it. <laughs> Jaden okay, Green, are you ready? Bo Christian Hill, Watson, yeah. Romeo Dubs, Bo Melton, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed. That's crazy. Oh, did I mention Jaden Reed? <laughs> all five of those guys, senior ball. Luke Musgrave, senior ball. Like, that's their whole That's offense. crazy. Their whole but offense is a senior ball, dude. It, every it's, time, it's so crazy. Yeah, every time Jordan Love throws the ball, it's like, oh wait, who is this receiver? It's like there's a new receiver just out of nowhere. It's like <laughs> Bo Melton. Who was, I never heard of this guy until two weeks ago. Like I think he I would only know him because like that. You know, I'm in New Jersey. If I'm not mistaken, Bo Melton went to Rutgers. Hold on, let me let me confirm. Oh really? That. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he was he was at Rutgers. Um, and uh, I know him from the senior bowl. That's 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 yeah, kind of that's the go. only reason why I know him though. You know, uh, like, you mentioned Deontay. You mentioned Khalil Herbert, right? Uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. another, another underrated last minute surprise was Deontay Foreman getting the healthy scratch, right? Like we didn't expect that coming. Um, right. So Khalil Herbert ended up getting all the work against Atlanta. You know, Roshan was in, definitely involved as well, but Herbert was the primary guy. Uh, tough matchup against Atlanta, but he ended up coming through with the big game. If I'm not mistaken. If he scored a rushing touchdown, I think that might have been the first rushing touchdown that Atlanta has given up all year long, if I'm not mistaken. Let me, let me double check that. Really? I, yeah, I think so. I think wow. I think Atlanta hasn't given up. I, I can double check that real quick. So that would be Atlanta something. has Atlanta I, has I allowed three touchdowns to running backs this year on the ground. And that was the last um, you know, which is which is last in the NFL. Or well, first it's in the still- NFL if you're if you're on the yeah. side of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. still fantastic as a defense. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm looking yards. at it now. Like... And those rushing touchdowns have come very recently. Khalil Herbert in week 17 and Jonathan Taylor in week 16. Right? So, yeah, um, yeah pretty impressive. But, yeah, if you had Khalil Herbert, you know, you, you had to pick him up last minute. It ended up working out. Um, you know, I always thought Herbert was a good player. Right, especially after what he did last couple seasons, but there was just no consistency in this backfield. Like it was just so random. You know, whenever they had a workhorse, though, like whether it was Herbert or Foreman, like that she came through. There was volume to be had, and they they ended up performing when they give them the workload. This is why I was high yeah. on this backfield coming in because there's a bunch of talented guys here, but like mm-hmm. th- there's no continuity, right? So it, it was tough to really you know, figure that out. But again, going into the offseason, it's like you still want to attack these ambiguous backfields, right? That's something that we talked about a lot was, last offseason. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was just about to say uh, it. I was like, what's the word? Ambiguous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, yeah. it worked It worked out with Kyron Williams, right? It worked out with Devon Achan, right? It worked out. Yep. It, it, it could have worked out with the Bears backfield. It didn't, you know, but it could have. Um, You know, and there were a couple other so ones. That, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. think that they're going to hold on to Deontay Foreman at this point. 
Like, I don't think I don't he's going to be so either. That was a one-year contract. They signed him just yeah. as some depth. But I think they know what they have now. Khalil Herbert's fine. You know, and Rashawn Johnson, he has the receiving chops, which is fine. We mm-hmm. talked about him also potentially having the ability to take over the backfield. You know, if he would get that run. He didn't really get that because he was hurt here or there. All these guys got hurt or missed time. Foreman, Johnson, and Herbert, they all missed like time. So that makes it really difficult to have continuity at that point. Because then at that point, you're riding the hot hand. And how many times do we say that you're riding the hot hand starting any Bears running back? That, that's just how it worked. Like Deontay, It was Deontay Foreman for a little bit. Then Khalil Herbert came in towards the end of the year. And Rashawn Johnson would sprinkle in a game or two where he caught seven passes. This is a real pain in the butt to try and navigate <laughs> it. But there, there's definitely points to be had. Like The offense is good enough, obviously. We're, we're not saying that you can't target anybody. But you mentioned you know, it looks like it's going to be... If you had to guess who their starter is for next season, who, who do you think it would be? Like It has to be Herbert. They're not going to go draft yeah, somebody, so. right? Yeah, I don't think so. I think I think they'd be good enough to go Herbert and and Roshan, you know, at this yeah. point. Where, you know, Roshan's such a good pass blocker too. Like, I, I I don't see the need. I mean, they'll probably bring in a third running back for for depth, but like it would probably be a late round pick or you know someone off the street, you know. Yeah. Um, right. Daryl Henderson. But speaking of world. speaking of missing time, uh, super disappointing. If you had Josh Jacobs, couldn't use him in the fantasy playoff. Same thing with Keenan Allen. Uh, but look at Zamir White stepping in, man. He understood the assignment. Right, he got it done. RB twelve, RB sixteen, RB sixteen. Right, like very, very solid. Right, he came through, got it done, got the volume, got the touchdowns. He did his thing, man. Like, and you know, Antonio Pierce doing a good job. You know, it's very possible he's one of the few interim head coaches that could actually end up being a head coach the following season. Yeah, I think I think they he definitely should be, and I guess comparatively, if you if you look. Anybody compared to Josh McDaniels like is going to be a step up at that point. Given what they had done, what what had happened over the past couple of years with Josh McDaniels, a year and a half, whatever it was, you know, it was pretty easy. You just had to play competent football and you'd be all right. But you have a guy that the guy that the players rally around, and it seems like they have a lot more going for them than they did with Josh McDaniels, which is funny because Josh McDaniels is supposed to be this offensive coach. We've seen the Josh McDaniels experiments not work before. So I guess uh, you can't say you were surprised that didn't work out in Las Vegas, especially with the quarterback situation. But with the running backs, you know, Josh Jacobs is out. That sucks. But at least at least they gave you a one-for-one handcuff replacement. It's not like they tried yeah. to go and platoon the running back situation. Sure. I think, what's his name? Was it, was, was it Abdullah? Who was it? Yeah, in back Abdullah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, mixed, they sprinkled him in. They didn't make him a 50-50 part of this backfield. It was Amir White for the most part, most of the way. That made it really easy on us for fantasy, in fantasy land. You know, we didn't have to worry about is Amir Abdullah going to vulture a touchdown here or there? Amir Abdullah did score a touchdown against the Chargers, but who didn't score against the Chargers? You know, this is how it worked in that game. But yeah, Amir White, he, he looks good. So he's going to be, like, are you looking at him as one of the best handcuffs next next season? Like, I mean, let's see. Josh Jacobs, wh- what did he sign? Was it a one-year deal? Like, I don't think Josh, Josh Jacobs is going to be there next year, man. I don't. That's what I mean. So, like, yeah. do you think Amir White showed enough where he's going to no. be... He could be trusted. You don't think so? No. no. You think they're uh, gonna no. go draft somebody I, I, or like go find I'll be, somebody? I'll be se- I'll be selling so hard in Dynasty if I can. Um, if yeah. anybody thinks that that you know, I don't, I don't think he's gonna be the guy, man. I think they're gonna draft somebody or bring somebody in as a free agent. Um, Tony Pollard. I think if, if you are a Las Vegas Raider, <laughs> no, man, I don't even think so. Like, I think they're gonna, <laughs> especially if Antonio Pierce is the is the head coach. They're gonna bring somebody who's like a grinder. Right, like he's—they're going to bring yeah. in somebody who can like definitely handle like early downs, right? Like, 
that's that that's something that it's just like the identity of what I, I Antonio Pierce wants it to be, right? He wanted it to be for Josh yeah. Jacobs, but I, I don't see Jacobs coming back. I think they're gonna get a, a younger running back to to handle that workload. Um, well, they're, de- know, they're so. definitely not paying Jacobs, you know, unless he takes a massive pay cut, which isn't gonna happen. Yeah, there's a lot of running backs who are gonna be coming on the market this year. It's gonna be interesting to see what that market turns into because I don't think there's gonna be that much money for these running backs this year. If we thought last no. year was bad, I think this could yeah. be even worse this year. Exactly. Um, yep. Our sponsor for this episode is Better Vision. It's an app that allows you to keep track of all of your bets in one place. If you have accounts on all of these different sports books, you have to switch between them to see whether you're up or not. You lose track of where you play certain bets, and it gets confusing, but not anymore, not with Better Vision. All of your bets are tracked in one place, and not only that, the best part is Better Vision will let you know which betting platforms have the best odds for certain bets. All right. So if you like a play, normally you would look through all of your apps one by one to see what which one has the best odds. Uh, and then you end up playing on that app. But why not have a side-by-side comparison all on one screen within one app? And then you just click on the bet that you want to make within Better Vision and you're good to go. Okay, go check it out. It's completely free. Go to bettervision.us or go to the App Store and search Better Vision. That's better with an O. So B-E-T-T-O-R Vision in the App Store today. You know, it, it's crazy how Lamar stepped it up when it mattered most, man. Overall QB1 in Week 14 to help you secure a fantasy playoff spot. Overall QB11 in Week 15 to the QB6 in Week 16 to the clear QB1, the overall QB1 in Week 17 right with a ridiculous performance okay easily the qb1 over that span mvp favorite at this point uh real life football uh before that game he was a qb10 in fantasy okay it was all about josh allen all about jalen hurts Dak prescott cj shroud you know it's amazing how week to week this game is right but he ended up coming through when it mattered most zay flowers with two big games back to back in the last five games of the season he finished outside the top 13 wide receivers just once. All right. So he had a huge lull in the middle of the year. Zay Flowers did. Definitely showed some, you know, some great signs early on, target share, all that. But now we're going to be talking about him potentially taking a big step forward next year. You know, now that he's merge, emerging as this like, like legit wide receiver later in the season. Right. Like, where would you project him to be? Like, in terms of uh, this is a very loose, and I didn't put this on the notes or anything. This is a question that popped in my head as you're saying yeah. this. Like, where would you project him to be in terms of your rankings? Are you putting him as a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three? Probably like, wide receiver I am low two. In? I can see him being a wide receiver 24, assuming they don't add anybody else in, you know, anybody else of significance to that wide yeah. receiver room. Yeah. Uh, I would That's put him in, in the top 24. Yeah. Yeah. I love that he's emerging, but I'm just looking at the trajectory of the Ravens are on. You know, obviously they're among the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Their draft pick is probably going to be later as opposed to sooner, you know, in the first round. I wouldn't be shocked to see them turn around and draft another receiver in the first round if they're sitting anywhere between 29 and 32. Like, would it be a bit overkill? Sure. They did just draft Zay Flowers in the first round last year. Did they draft another receiver in the first round the year before that? You bet. That was Rashad Bateman. But he struggled with injuries. You know, they're going to have a decision to make on his – Fifth-year option, you know, he was a first-round pick. You know, he's had injuries through most of his career so far. If you could add some size on the outside with a guy like, I don't know, Keon Coleman out of Florida State, like, I think the Ravens would consider adding that type of talent to Lamar's arsenal after seeing what just giving him weapons on offense did for his game. Like, you have Rashad Bateman. He's been dealing with injuries. You don't have to pick up his fifth-year option. Odell Beckham's not going to be there. They don't have a need. 
for a guy like Odell Beckham making 50 million a year guaranteed. He signed one year contract, 50 million. He's not going to be around next year. I think that you look at what the Ravens can do. They could potentially upgrade in the draft. Do they have any other holes to fill at this point? Like if they want to go luxury here and really just give Lamar Jackson the pieces around him, especially after what's going to be probably an MVP season, like you mentioned, I don't think they would, you know, not think about that. I think they definitely consider that and be like, okay, well now we need to weigh our options. If they do that, they add a guy on the outside. Mark Andrews would be coming back. That would kind of hurt Zay Flowers, and it would suck. You know, I love Zay yeah. Flowers. It, it, it would. It would really. It would really depend on who those wide receivers, that wide receiver is that they add for sure, because we have to yeah. evaluate that talent to see, you know, if they're going to deserve targets over Zay. Um, but you know, Zay's been a target earner this entire year, right? And, and and we've seen it, and we've been very intrigued by that. And that's one of the biggest sticky points when it comes to year over year. Um, steadiness right with these wide receivers right. and the what sticks pass. um yep. that's one of them uh target share so um you know i'm i'm i feel like he's going to be fine uh but this wide receiver class is very very deep and it's very very good you know so yeah. um you know you could potentially draft somebody in the second round this year who would have been going in the first round in 2023 okay yeah. so just keep that in mind um <laughs> If, it, if they had a guy of, like Quentin Johnston, then you won't have anything to worry about. <laughs> <Jose Flowers. laughs> right, right. And if Quentin Johnston was coming out this year, I don't Third even know round, if he's a worth round. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it may be, man. Uh, you know, at, at, at best, second I'm, round. You a know, lot of people round. were high on Quentin Johnston coming out. And I, I, I know PFF was, and they're usually on it. You know what I'm saying? But that, that was just interesting. It, it's a tough situation anyway. But like, you know, you're running behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but then both of them missed time and all that, and he still isn't doing anything. It's really weird how that's shaking out. Like I blame Kellen yeah. Moore, obviously, but <laughs> I blame Quentin I, I Johnson. I don't know what's going on there. I blame Quentin Johnson. Um, okay, best waiver wire pickup, late round draft pick has to be between Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams, and, yeah. and, and I think right. I have to give the edge <laughs> to him to Williams, right? But I think there's a lesson here. Uh, a lot of people like to save that fab, save that number one waiver wire priority. I think the best pickups are at the beginning of the season, right? After week one, week two, week three. When you see a big performance early, if it matches the utilization, if there's a chance that target share can continue, if you think that there's a, a big chance that that rushing share and that volume can continue, spend your fab. Put those chips in, right? Like, I, yeah. I know a lot of people in this community drafted Puka, but he was a serious priority after week one, after he had a solid performance. Same thing with Kyron Williams. I, I've seen some advice around this saying don't overreact to one week, don't overreact to week one. Like, I, I agree with that to some extent, but at the same time, like, we have to notice when things add up because when you hit, especially when you hit early in the year like that, they literally helps you win all year long to get to the playoffs and to win the championship. Yeah. Oh, there's no question. And it's easy to say, okay, how many times do we see it where there's a big performance in week one and a player has a big, you know, they have their big game and then suddenly they just fall off, but you just spend up all your fab. Like these philosophies, they look good pretty much under a microscope. If you zoom out and look at the grand scheme of things and you see all of them, it's like the totality. It's like, you can't follow either of these to a T. You just have to, use what you know, like you mentioned, utilization, line that up, that kind of thing, and just make your best guess at that point. I agree 100% with spending your fab, especially early. You know, 
I'd, I'd be lying if I said I made good use of my fab dollars this year in any of her leagues. I, I was a total cheapskate with mine. <laughs> I like to poach players after the waiver's clear. I pretty much take whatever scraps are left. That served me well, relatively well, in a few of my leagues. But I missed out in those leagues on guys like Puka Nakua. You know, this is how it goes sometimes. So you mentioned that philosophy. It's, that's what's going to land you, Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, Tank Dell, Devon Achan in some cases, even a guy like Rashi Rice. You know, once you add those players, it's important to remember, like, and I think you would agree with this, even if it's you've seen a good game or two and then suddenly things shift one way or the other, don't just panic and drop them. Like, you have to remember why you added them. Like, look at Rashi Rice. Took him pretty much three quarters of the year to get going. Now that he is, you know, we could be talking about him as a top 50 fantasy pick next year. As for Kyron Williams versus Puka Nakua, I think that Williams, as a running back, has more value. That makes him probably the waiver wire pickup of the year, whatever you want to call him. But he went on IR. He missed some games for his managers. Puka didn't. And he was pretty consistent pretty much the whole season. He had a couple games here or there in the middle where it was like, oh, Cooper Cup came back. Things were in flux. I think I would lean Puka as the waiver wire pickup, late round pick of the year, whatever you want to call it, because he was fourth overall in receiving yards behind only Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb, and A.J. Brown. And that's an offense with Cooper Cup. So you can nitpick. There's no wrong answer with either of these two guys, but I'm going with Puka here just because his availability and consistent production, I think, makes him just a little bit more valuable. But there is something to be said when you have a running back like Kyron Williams, who is just scoring and scoring, you know, week in and week out when he plays. At running back, there are a lot fewer running backs than there are receivers. So I think if you want to play value-based, I, I think it would be uh, Kyron Williams. But if you want to play just overall, who had the better season, you know, I, I'm going with Puka. And I think both these guys are also in line to be a fantasy MVP, how, however you define that, right? And I think both yeah, those guys are on that mm-hmm. list. Those are those are nominees there. CeeDee Lamb, right? Brock Purdy, right? Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. Raheem Mostert. Rashad White, if you're looking at price. Mike Evans, if you're looking at price. Christian McCaffrey, right? Lamar Jackson, really, you know, a little iffy throughout the year, but then fantasy playoffs came through. He came through, and then Amon Ra, right? You know, if you had to take some guys off of that list, because, you know, I'm actually going to be putting a poll up on our Instagram story, and I want the audience and the community to decide who the fantasy MVP is, right? Who are you taking off of that list? Like, if you had to guess, is DJ Moore somebody, you know, obviously the price was good, you know, uh, you know, in terms of like the, you know, the value good. that you got for him. But like, is he a fantasy MVP? No, nah, for me, no, right? I don't know how you feel about this. I would say no. But there's a difference okay. between fantasy MVP and value of the, the season, best value, that kind of thing. There, sure. There's a best okay. value player. I think there's a difference there. So if you talk about like we just mentioned, Kyron Williams, DJ Moore is on there for best value of the season. You know, obviously he had sure. a couple quiet games, but overall he was very good. You know, so he has that ability to be the value player. But I think MVP implies you need consistent performance, especially when it matters. And it, it kind of falls along the same lines as the NFL MVP, where you need to make the plays and you need to have the performances that you need to have in the big spots. So you look at guys in the playoffs that were able to get it done for you. I'm looking at what CD Lamb did. He was obviously in the first five or six weeks, super quiet, didn't do a whole lot. But after the bye, he didn't have a game under 16 points. <laughs> he was far and away the best receiver, you know, in, in the NFL in terms of fantasy points, that kind of thing. He, I think he was, since week eight, he was a couple points per game over the next guy, second place. He was, he was just ridiculous. And he, in 
in the fantasy playoffs, he got better in each of the games. So he had 18 points in week 15, 25 points in week 16, and then 40 points in week 17. Like though that's exactly the performance that you're looking for. And he pretty much saved your season in the middle of it, probably propelled you into the playoffs and then continued your winning streak in the playoffs. That kind of like timing, and obviously you can't like correlate and say that, oh yeah, CD Lamb knew he was playing in the fantasy playoffs. That's why he played this well. But that kind of timing, like that is fantasy MVP worthy because he pretty much won you your season. Like he did it for me in two leagues. And I'm sure other people had that same experience. So I would go with CD Lamb. I don't think DJ Moore is on that list. Um, I'm on Ra. He was good, but he didn't have that ground uh, earth shattering type of production, those weeks where he would just blow the top off of the place. He was very good, very re- consistent. I think I would put him in the bucket as like most reliable, most dependable. Like there's so many superlatives we could throw out. But if you want to talk about MVP, I think my pick would be CD Lamb and Tyreek Hill. And who who, who would your top five be? CD Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Yep, a hundred percent. Is Raheem Mostert up there? I think he can be. When he scored twenty some touchdowns and, and twenty touchdowns, I think he can be. He he didn't ever have like a performance where it's like, oh, well, now we're screwed. And he was doing that with Devon H in the backfield, so I put him there. But off the top of my head, like is I don't Kyra, know, who is Kyron Williams is Kyron Williams there, or did he miss he too many games? If he didn't miss four games, you know, if he didn't miss those games, I think I would put him in there. But I, he can't. I think he has potential to be MVP next season if the usage continues. You know what I mean? He can be the MVP definitely, but I don't think it's this season. If that makes sense, because we saw what he did. He was one hundred percent elite when he was on the field. But if you're not on the field, it's hard to give you the MVP because you did, even if it was out of control, leave your team hanging. That, that's the way I look more, at it. I, I more fantasy points than, than Raheem Mostert on a points-per-game basis, right below Christian Points McCaffrey. per game, yeah. You know, 24.5 yeah. fantasy tough. points per game for Christian McCaffrey and 21.3 for Kyle Williams. He was the RB2 on the year. Yeah. So I think he's in the conversation. I think he's in the conversation. Yeah. So I think those are the five. I'm gonna, uh, Any of these other guys should be in the conversation. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy. Um, let's see. Josh Allen. <laughs> Josh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. He's a quarterback. It, it, it's tough for quarterbacks because they generally score more points than any other player in any other position. Yeah. The top guys at quarterback are always going to pretty much outscore unless you have a tremendous season. They're always going to outscore the running backs and the tight ends and the wide receivers just because they get the ball pretty much on every single play regardless. So, All right. Yeah. I think we have a top five here and we're going to figure out who, who, who that guy is. I'm guessing it's going to be CD Lamb, but we'll see. All right. That would now, be my guess. You, you might have been on the short end of the stick during the playoffs. Week 17, there are a few guys who didn't help you. Tony, Tony Pollard being like the number one bust of the season, I would say. Like just the timing yeah. on his bad games, his draft capital, the hype. You know, a lot of it provided by me before the season. Before, by the way, he, he's not the same guy. Okay. His role, his production, you know, on the Cowboys offense this year was extremely replaceable, right? But not cracking eight PPR fantasy points in any game during the playoffs is an all-time abomination. Just absolutely, gross. especially especially after four straight games of getting it done. You know, he had sixteen points or more in the four games before that. Each of the four games before that, a couple of those games were on the road. It's like, what the heck happened? I and mean, we we've seen this from Tony Pollard this season. He started, you know, he goes hot. He was warm and he was cold. Then he's warm again. He was cold. That kind of thing. He looked like he was going to have that receiving role. He got a little bit of receiving role starting week 11. And after that, it just kind of fizzled out. We put so much hype into him. And the, the stars were aligning. You know, you talk about it with the Cowboys offense. We heard chatter over the offseason. Dallas is going to be more run first, that kind of thing. Here they turn around and see Lamb's having the best 
uh, season by a receiver in Cowboys history. Like that, that obviously didn't play out. We thought, oh, we're just going to dismiss this calf injury, this leg injury that he had, you know, and he ends up not looking 100%. And he still doesn't look 100%. He still doesn't have that burst that he had last season. The efficiencies come way down. And not only has the efficiency come way down, but the utilizations come all the way down. He's not getting that type of workload that Zeke was getting, even when he was there last year. So all of that comes into play. And it was just, like you mentioned, the way that you hyped him up, the way that I hyped him up, the way that we all hyped him up, just made him the biggest letdown of the season. I think there, there's no question he was the letdown of the season. Like, is there anybody else even in in that realm where it's like he was the where they would challenge him for that title? I, I, I don't, I I don't think, think there is. I think that there were a few, but he is definitely the most notable. There was yeah. he was definitely the most notable. There were definitely some first round busts, but he was definitely he takes the cake for like the the biggest bust in the first two rounds. I would say, but he, he he had zero upside. Like that was the issue. Like he felt like he was one of those guys that was going to have that ceiling every single week. Oh yeah. And he didn't like there was no ceiling game here. He he topped out at twenty two fantasy points. And, and you know, in, in, that's the, fine. in the games in the games that Zeke missed last year, you know, he just went off. You know, and it's that's, just like he fooled he us so hard. Happen. I don't know how that I don't know how it happened. But like I said, like we were pounding the table on his efficiency. He was the like number one yards after contact per attempt, like that kind of thing. Like all these stats that just made so much sense. And then it's just like it all came crashing down. It, it, very disappointing. And it, talk about a contrast. You have the M- fantasy MVP and the bust of the year on the same offense. Like, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> James Cook was dominating into, you know, coming into the playoffs, right? The role was looking really good. Um, and even in week 15, you know, big game. But then week 16 yep. and week 17, only five PPR fantasy points, dude. Absolutely brutal. So he got you into the dance. He likely, he likely got you past the first round and then nothing. Big hole in your lineup these last couple weeks. And that's because his receiving role was just revoked. It's just gone. <laughs> we were talking about that. And if we, we can pound the table. We can say this as many times as we have. We've said this so many times. He was getting targeted at such a high rate, even though he wasn't, wasn't running a whole lot of routes. It's like, can we get that back, please? Like, he got more touches on the ground, 25, 20, and 16 rush attempts in each of the past three games, you know, the playoff games. But when you're only running for 70 yards and not catching any passes, no touchdowns, that's empty calories. And, and we had that discussion a couple of days ago on the podcast. We said you could rush for 120 yards, 130 yards, and you should get some extra points for it, really, because like that's an impressive performance. But you don't, you know, unless you have special statistics, you know, um, point calculations in your league. It was just really disappointing. Like he didn't look bad against the Chargers, but 70 yards is going to do it. And then 16 for 48, not efficient at all. Just completely lost the role that he had before. I didn't see that coming. It was really just, oh. it sucks. Like, he, he, like you mentioned, thirty to go from 36 points to 5-5. Five and five, It's just terrible. And then his teammate. There are going to be a lot of questions around <laughs> Stefan Diggs yeah. going into next year. Couldn't crack nine fantasy points in any of the three fantasy playoff games. He finished outside the top 36 in six of his last seven games of the fantasy season absolutely brutal and you were likely starting him every week which was the worst part about it right mm-hmm. like you couldn't it was it was so hard to bench him right Diggs is 30 years old now and i don't think i'm ready to call it quits on stefan Diggs. okay i'm not either he is likely going to be in the value territory for me next year um he, he definitely left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths in the second half of the year 
I don't necessarily think he lost a step. The usage has been there too. From week 10 on, he was getting a 29% target share. So during that same span that I just talked about, 29% target share is like absolutely legit high end wide receiver one type of stuff. Yeah, now, no question. It's it's usually like the age 31 season and on where we tend to see a drop in production overall for fantasy wide receivers. But when you talk about elite wide receivers who have got it done in the past with like four or five wide receiver one seasons like he has, that product, that production at the later stages of a career usually gets extended a little bit. So that age 31 drop-off can potentially be extended to 30, 32 or 33. Uh, at least that's what the data shows. So I'm not necessarily out on Diggs in 2024 because I think he'll come with a significant discount. And I think he could be someone who can help a dynasty contender next year as well. Oh, yeah. Where do you imagine that he's going to go? You know, in draft next year, you go by round. You know, obviously, I would go, I, I would go third round. I, I think he's going to end up going in the third. That's where I think you would go to. And I have a feeling, yeah. I have a feeling he might float up into the second. If people look at his price and you're like, oh, Stefan Diggs, you know, second, like, second might be a little high for me personally. It, it might be a little high. Yeah. But I said, I'm not saying I would take him there, but I think yeah. we could probably see he'll probably start in the third round. Right. I wouldn't doubt people and, and look if, at if it. If he ends up going in the second, I'm going to end up passing. But in the third, I yeah. think that's solid, solid potential. Right Value. There. Yeah. The yeah. the price, the ver- risk versus reward, you know, 100%. You know, we, we talked about that over the offseason. We did a whole post on it. Risk it for the biscuit, like that kind of thing. But I think it's mm-hmm. going to be hard to not look back at the utilization and be like, well, the utilization was there the whole time. It's just the production, for some reason, stopped. Now, maybe he did hit 30 years old, and he's hitting that apex now, that that, that ceiling where he's just he's not going anywhere mm-hmm. after this. But I, I just don't think that's the case. Like, like you said, the body of work that we've seen. He's consistent wide receiver one season this whole time he's been in Buffalo. The fact that he was the wide receiver one that we wanted him to be up until like week nine, you know, halfway through the season, he was looking every bit like the wide receiver that we wanted him to be. I'm not going to be out on him either. I do think second round feels a little bit rich, you know, if you talk about where he's going to go next season. But third round, like you mentioned, he's I'm with you on this one. He's probably going to be one of those bargain guys. I, I, I don't have any reason to say that he's not going to turn things around, but what what would happen if he would come out next season, first two or three weeks, and have more of these games like this? Like it would be full on panic mode, especially if you took 1, him in the, if you, even if you took him in the third <laughs> round. Imagine you imagine you take him in the third round, thinking you're getting a bargain, and now he comes out and has more of these types of games. Like what would you do at that point? <laughs> at that point, you're in way too far to even try to get off of him. Now it's like, hopefully we don't have to cross yeah. that bridge. Well, we'll cross you know, that bridge offense- when we get to it. The offense also changed, you know, later in the year once they got rid of Ken Dorsey. Things have changed, so there's a, a few factors here, you know, and also the Bills were winning, right? That's another factor. Like they didn't, yeah. have to, they just didn't have to throw they the ball broke, as much. Don't fix it, yeah. You know, so you know what's crazy? You know, out of all the first round picks, there has been only two players that have come through. Okay, Christian McCaffrey and yeah. Tyreek Hill. That's it. Now, C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown, like some, they were taken in the first round in some leagues, but if I'm looking at ADP, they were right outside the first round. Uh, Amon yeah, Rob was also a second round pick, obviously worked out as well. Uh, but a few injuries made it bad, like Justin Jefferson, you know, um, and then Joe Burrow for Jamar Chase, Nick Chubb, right? Uh, Aaron Rodgers for Garrett Wilson, <laughs> right? So this year was a serious crapshoot, man. Like you just had to get lucky if you hit. Yeah, you had to get lucky. And I, I'm, I'm going to pull up the draft results on our league right here. Hang on. I just want to see these guys that were at the top. Um, oh, this is super flex. That's going to that's gonna skew it a little bit. But Let's see. Chris McCaffrey came through. Yes. Tyreek Hill came through. Yes. Cooper Cup. No. 
Not at all. He was injured. Didn't do a whole lot. Devontae Adams. Was Devontae Adams a first rounder? I think he was. No. No, he was a second round pick. His ADP I, was in the second round. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's terrible because I'm looking at Superflex League and just seeing who was taken where that kind of yeah. thing's blowing it up a little bit. But Garrett Wilson, man, he was definitely a first round pick. He was late first round, correct? No, he was also second. Oh my God. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was also second. <laughs> was, so was uh, Austin Eckler first it. round? Yeah. Do you have yeah, the ADP? Was, yeah. I only have our draft board right here. Yep. That's I have the ADP. At. Austin Eckler was the, you know, he was going off as the fourth overall player. You know, Kelsey. That's crazy. Goes yeah. off the board as a fifth overall pair. Ty- Tyreek Hill worked out. Saquon didn't work out. Bijan, as a first rounder, probably you would say didn't work out. Stefan Diggs didn't right. work out. Nick Chubb didn't work out. Devonta Adams did not work out. CeeDee Lamb, ding, ding, ding. Cooper Cup, nope. Patrick Mahomes, nope. Uh, AJ Brown, yeah, yeah I would say nope. so. Tony, Pol- Tony Pollard, nope. Derrick Henry, nope. Josh Jacobs, nope. Gary Wilson, nope. Amon Ra, oh, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Josh, Josh Allen, you could argue that that worked out. Jalen Hurts, you could argue that that worked out. Jalen Waddle, nope. Yeah. Chris Olave, end of the second round, early third round. What do you think? Yay or nay? Mm, I'm going nay. Okay. We nay. did we did so much discussion on him. You know, things were trending. He had the yards per route run last season. You know, he was looking good. We had Derek Carr coming in, who was supposedly the deep ball god. And he peppered Devontae Adams, and he just didn't, hadn't done that with Chris Olave like he did last season. So it's like, I'm... I'm putting the veto on that one and saying no. Chris Olave is going to have a better 2024, isn't he? I hope. I hope. I wish we could say yes and just be like, yep, stamp it. You know, this, this guy's going to have a better, you know, 2024, but I, I, I just don't know. It's really confusing because this offense, I, I, when you have I Alvin do. Kamara and Taysom Hill and all that stuff, it's like, I, I know. Can we not. I know. You know? It's going to happen. I don't know. Okay. No, no, no one knows anything. Um, <laughs> We could see we could be seeing the end of Austin Eckler's fantasy dominance at this point. Twenty nine years old in May, had a few top five finishes after coming back from his injury this year. But then, outside the top twenty in six of his last seven games this year, you know, pretty you know, pretty brutal down the stretch in the fantasy playoffs. He's past the age apex at this point. We don't see many twenty nine year old running backs having RB one seasons. Uh, he's not even sure how things are going to go based on his comments on his podcast. Like he even mentioned practice squad. Like, Ew. you know, you're like, whoa, 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 Austin, Austin. Like, let's relax. Like, you know, what are we talking about here? You're Austin Eckler, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure football. he's so confident in how things will go next year, right? He, he's killed it for us. He's won leagues for us. I hate talking about the downfall of players. Like, it's just like not something that I like talking about. You know, but it's just a reality of a part of our analysis that goes into it. Age is a factor. Uh, we even talked about it before this season that Eckler was past his age apex. Um, you know, but let's see what like what his situation is like in 2024, which team he's going to be on. Let's see what his ADP looks like. You know, but usually we don't see running backs that, you know, that could be, you know, high end fantasy producers at this point of their careers. Yeah. What happens if Austin Eckler lands in Miami? I can see it. Yeah. I don't think actually I, I, I don't see it. I don't. You know why? Because why? I just think Mike McDaniel wants explosive players. Straight up. Yeah. You know what I'm I, I guess it's true. Yeah, he's not explosive at this point. He's not. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's just tough. Look at Austin Eckler, where last year he was doing you know what he needed to do. He was having these games where he had all these scrimmage yards, a hundred scrimmage yards, 
you know, he wasn't doing that a whole lot this season. The efficiency on the ground game, non-existent, not scoring touchdowns. And that was just pretty much systemic of the whole Chargers offense. They weren't good on offense this season, especially on the ground. But you look just in overall, the games where he came through, eight targets, seven targets, seven targets. And then down the line, seven targets again. You know, unless he's getting those targets and he didn't have those targets every single game. There are a bunch of games where he had two targets, three targets. That's it. Like, he seems a little bit too dependent on that now at this point. The upside is gone on a per-touch basis. Now it's a volume. He's a volume-based play. It's 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 tough to diagnose what exactly went wrong besides the age thing. You don't want to just chalk it up to that. But I just remember the people making the Mike Tolbert comments on that one run that he had down the sideline. He didn't look like he was moving at all. It looked like, it looked like someone slowed down the video. Like... That was one of those points where it's just like, okay, now suddenly, you know, these these statistics, they're not looking so good. Now the eye test is starting to show it a little bit. It's like, what are we gonna do? Like, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm personally probably going to avoid Austin Eckler unless he lands in some slam dunk situation. But I don't know if I'd want a piece of Austin Eckler ne- next season just because there's so much like it, it looks pretty darn close. It looks like an age fall off, smells like an age fall off, probably is an age fall off, but Given what he's done for us in fantasy, you know, over the years, like, do we give him a mulligan? I, I think maybe he deserves it. I'm not going to be the one to give him that, though, <laughs> personally. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for rocking with us this fantasy season. We're hoping that you're a champion. We hope that he, we helped and didn't hurt you too much by the dumb things that we said, a lot of the dumb things that I said this year. Uh, hopefully, we said more good things than bad. Um, we'll be back later this week though. We're going to be talking about week 18, uh, not necessarily, you know, whole lot of, um, you know, who to start that sort of thing, but talk about, you know, all the playoff scenarios. We, there's so many playoff scenarios to talk about going into week 18, um, and a bunch of other good stuff and we'll, we'll get there. Also, we'll be talking, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about a f- couple of fantasy awards that we'll be giving out to these players. We'll be talking about that on Thursday as well. All right. So we'll see you guys then. Take it easy. Bye-bye.